Hi there. This is Elder Law Issues with me, Robert Fleming, one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC, and one of the other partners, Elizabeth Noble Rollins Freeman. Um, Elizabeth, we've talked occasionally about uh, about how to do beneficiary designations, both if you've done a trust to name the trust appropriately as beneficiary in some uh, in some cases on some assets. Um, and we've talked about retirement accounts particularly from time to time. But I wanted to spend today just talking about beneficiary designations on retirement accounts because this is one of the the most troublesome issues that I get from clients trying to understand who should be beneficiary on your IRA or your 401k or your 403b. And I say all those terms, or, or, and there are a couple more, but, uh, but we're going to sort of lump them together. Generally speaking, we can just call them IRAs, even though they're not IRAs. So I have an IRA. In my case, it's a 401k, but let's call it an IRA. I have an IRA. Who should I name as beneficiary? Well, Robert, this really depends on who you want to benefit on your death. It's important to consider that we work with folks who may be married, may have children, may have significant others, may be interested in donating to charity. So all of these factors play into the decision of who to name as a beneficiary on your IRA. Couple things to note. One, just because you have a trust does not mean that your trust automatically should be named as the beneficiary of your IRA. Two, do not just let your financial advisor fill out a beneficiary designation form for you on your IRA without taking a careful look at it yourself. Three, if you have an opportunity, which you should, to designate a secondary or contingent beneficiary on your IRA, please do that. And last but not least, you can actually designate more than one beneficiary as a primary beneficiary on your IRA, meaning you could designate somebody as a 10% beneficiary. You could designate a charity as a 40% beneficiary, and you can designate your spouse as a 50% beneficiary on your IRA. That is one of the things people often overlook. And it's worth just observing as we go past that. If you're married and you want to change the beneficiary on your IRA from other than your spouse, you want to leave 50% to your favorite charity and 50% to your spouse, or you want to leave it all to your kids, your spouse will need to sign the beneficiary designation as well. doesn't mean it can't be done. It just means it can't be done without the spouse knowing and, and being involved. Now, that's not, a, that's not actually a hard and fast legal rule, and you may find a little different experience out there in the real world. But generally speaking, your spouse is going to have to consent to any other change. Of course, when people ask us how to do the beneficiary designation, a big part of the reason they're asking is about probate avoidance. And another big part is about tax efficiency. So can we generalize, Elizabeth, if you're married and you have two kids and a favorite charity, can we generalize about what is the most tax-efficient choice for a beneficiary? Oh, I'm sorry, and you have a living trust. So married, two kids, living trust, maybe one of your kids has special needs, you have a charity you like, then who should be your beneficiary? So Robert, one of my, and we're talking about the rules right now, which we know change constantly when it comes to retirement accounts. So one of my first questions, Robert, here is tell me about your spouse. 
is your spouse able-bodied, um, able to talk to a financial advisor, able to work through questions related to the management of a large asset like your IRA? Because if so, I tend to tell people, if you feel very strongly that you want the surviving spouse to have full control over all the assets in your estate, including something like your IRA, you can leave the IRA directly 100% to your spouse. We know today that is one very tax efficient way to simply leave your retirement account for your surviving spouse. You could also do that through the terms of a trust. Now, that can get complicated on several different levels. But the basic answer I tell people, Robert, is let's go ahead and name your spouse individually as the primary beneficiary as long as you don't care what happens to that retirement account. Because if you die and that retirement account rolls directly to your spouse, your spouse will become the owner of that account. Meaning your spouse is gonna be able then to designate any beneficiary that he or she or they want to to receive the benefit on your spouse's death. You're not gonna have any control over that. I, I think that's a very common misunderstanding among our clients. They think, oh, I'll name my, my second wife or my second husband as the primary beneficiary, and I'll name the kids from my kids from my first marriage as the contingent beneficiaries. And that means my spouse can have the money for the rest of his or her life, and then uh, when they die, it goes to the kids. Nope, not true. You leave it to the spouse, and your spouse can choose the beneficiaries. The, the spouse can choose his or her kids or a charity or somebody else. So you're right, Elizabeth. If you name your spouse, you are, uh, you're trusting them to not, not deviate from your plan, or you've decided you don't care if they deviate from your plan. Now, Robert, there are ways to be tax efficient and have your retirement account benefit your surviving spouse and do that through the terms of a trust. That's going to put some more limitations around the beneficiaries on the account on your spouse's death. One thing we know, Robert, is as we get into the weeds on these topics, one thing that our clients often do is they will bring in their financial advisor or an advisor on their team to start to talk to us about these beneficiary designations. And we know, Robert, that in the very vanilla scenario that you painted, many financial advisors will start to pull their hair out when they learn that we may recommend that the trust be named maybe as a primary or maybe as a secondary beneficiary on a retirement account. And I know you've had this experience, Elizabeth, because I have as well, that a lot of financial planners and even accountants and, and the occasional lawyer who, who works in this field um, believe that trusts can't be named as beneficiaries on retirement accounts or that it's always tax inefficient to name trusts. And that's simply not true. In the particular cases of a particular client, the trust can be both um, a, a good choice and a tax efficient choice. I would not say that that's the default though. When you said earlier, don't just assume you're going to name your trust as the beneficiary or even the contingent beneficiary. You're absolutely right. So much of what we do, we can generalize. We can say most people should name you know, their spouse as personal representative of their estate unless there's a reason not to, and they probably want to leave everything. to. We can't do those same kind of generalizations about retirement accounts because there are both tax considerations and equity considerations 
Uh, and I'm going to kind of allude to another one. In my basic fact pattern, I said, you have a child with no disability, a child with a disability, and a favorite charity. Which one should be receiving your retirement account? Forget the spouse for a moment. Well, Robert, there are real efficiencies to having some portion or all of a retirement account go to a charity. And we also know, believe it or not, that the rules around beneficiaries who have special needs, um, those rules may be different for tax purposes when we talk about retirement accounts. So those are actually um, two, two pretty unique scenarios that we would want to walk through with clients. I think it, it is important just to go back a few steps, Robert. One of the first questions I asked was about your spouse and your spouse's capacity. So sometimes when I'm meeting with a couple who have been married for 60 years, they've got healthy, active kids, wonderful grandkids, they've got different charities they want to benefit, and we actually start talking about who to name as a primary beneficiary on a retirement account, we can start to have a conversation around capacity because it may be that both spouses are starting to get foggy around the same time and, and this may be the last estate planning update that they do. Well, depending on the goals in that family, we may actually decide to have a trust for the benefit of the surviving spouse. And we may wanna designate that trust for the benefit of the surviving spouse as the beneficiary on a retirement plan. So bottom line here is the beneficiary designation on your retirement account is one of the most complicated, difficult um, choices you're going to make in your estate plan. And you're going to have to run the gauntlet of everybody out there in the community, your financial planner and your accountant and the next lawyer you talk to, all having different notions about what's most efficient on the beneficiary designation. Uh, and you've got to resolve the, the problem that people's beneficiary designations just seem to change over time. Your financial planner moves to a new uh, entity, and uh, they can't just literally move all of your 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 uh, beneficiary designations over. And so they make some assumptions, and you have voila, you have new beneficiary designations. Or uh, you talk to the accountant, and the accountant says you've made a terrible mistake here, and you change it without coming back to talk to us. This is a this is something that requires constant updating, constant attention and um, constant best guesses about how things are going to turn out. It's one of the hardest things that we have to deal with. And on that note, come see us about your retirement plan beneficiary designation, but um, join us again for these elder law issues conversations when we, when we have another one where we're going to have an actual answer that we can give to everybody next week. I'm Robert Fleming, and I've been talking with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We're two of the partners at Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. And, uh, and we hope you'll join us again next week.